Hello, welcome to the Stone Cold Sober Podcast, the podcast where we dive into the experiences of addicts living in active addiction and recovery and try to share a message of hope to people seeking recovery, gaining knowledge, or just want to hang out for the duration of each episode. I am your host, Sean Artis. Welcome to the shit show. Episode one of Stone Cold Sober Podcast. I am your host. My name is Sean Artis. Um, today I'm going to be talking about my story. I'm going to get you a feel for who I am and um, my story with addiction and recovery and what that looks like for me. I'm 29 right now and um, I got clean in 2016 on June 23rd. So this year I'll be celebrating four years. Unless I screw up and do something stupid. <laughs> okay, um, so I guess I'll start with um, my first consumption of any type of drug, which was alcohol. I was um, just finishing grade 8, going into grade 9, and I can remember being at a family party, and uh, my my younger friend, uh, he had an older sister, and uh, she, she gave him some alcohol, and I was a little jealous because... I was like, oh well, I'm I'm a bit older than him, right? I should I should be I should try this thing. And literally before this moment, I don't think I've ever thought about it. And about at that age, well, where I'm from, anyways, where that's when a lot of people kind of dabble in drinking. It's the main thing to do in my little hometown. So uh, I tried it, and uh, I remember. Within 10 minutes of finishing my drink, feeling invincible, and I wanted another one right away. So I went up to his older sister and was like, hey, give me, give me one more of those. She said, okay, last one. And I had, to, I had to get him to do it the first time. I had to sneak it from him. So she didn't really know I even had the first drink. So anyways, it was time to leave, and that I don't think it was late at all. I think it was about maybe 11.30. I guess maybe that's a bit late for that time. I don't, it was definitely not a school night, though. And it was the summer, so I knew I was going to stay up a bit later anyways. But for some reason, I had premeditated that I was going to go home, and I was going to steal as much liquor from my father's cabinet as possible. <laughs> And, um, I've never had that thought before. So we get home and my parents settle for bed probably around midnight. And as soon as, as soon as that happened, I was downstairs and I can remember raiding my dad's liquor cabinet. 
in a sense where I was just taking sips from, uh, I think maybe every type of liquor that there was possible to have. I, uh, I was too scared to actually take a beer and steal it because I thought that he would like count it or something like, (laughs) I don't know. So anyways, I was taking sips of all these different liquors and about two o'clock, I thought it was a good idea to start playing my drum set. And I woke my, which is directly below my parents' bedroom. I don't think that even matters because the, it's a freaking <laughs> drum set. So, anyways, they wait. They wake up. They come downstairs, and I hear them get up. And I get off the drum set, and I go hide in the other room on the couch and pretend I'm asleep. And they come down and they start yelling at me. They're like, "Are you stupid? What are you? What are you playing?" And uh, I, I, I remember yelling at my parents, and my mom walked to me. She goes, "Are you drunk?" And I said no. And anyways, this was the beginning of a lot of <laughs> dis- mistrust between uh, my parents and me. And since that weekend, it turned into an every weekend thing where I would I would sneak some booze and found a buddy that was uh, drinking as well at that age. And we hung out and snuck around town and snuck out late at night. And this became uh, an every weekend thing until uh, I think maybe hockey started that season where it was pretty much a daily thing. I would, I would uh, come back from, come back from school and I would instantly grab, I had, oh yeah, so I had, a, I had a part-time job too. I was teaching guitar lessons at that time. And timekeeping, hockey games. So I had a little bit of pocket cash. And I had one buddy who had an older brother who could go to the liquor store and sneak me a Mickey or a 26er if I was lucky or whatever. I think I was playing some hefty middleman fees, though, because I can remember paying like 50 bucks for 26ers sometimes just to make it worth it so we would get gas money. Anyways, so that happened, and it became an everyday thing. And I can remember... At one point, I had a friend say, like, you don't think you're drinking too much? And I'm, like, thinking in my head, like, no. Like, this is what people do. This is what adults do. This is this is how people live. <laughs> like, the idea that at my age, in grade 9, that I was drinking too much was ridiculous. Anyway, so I can remember with that came a lot of, like, I should check my volume. I'm a bit loud. With that came a lot of uh, emotions that I was not processing well. And I I didn't know this until years later. But I didn't know it. But during hockey, I was using that as a time to take out my aggression. Looking back, I can see that now. But at the time, I was just angry. I was getting in fights in hockey all the time and then that trickled into my my life where I was getting fights at school and at parties and uh yeah so that was uh kind of what my high school looked like from that moment I started drinking until about grade 11 halfway through grade 11 I uh I and then I realized I was kind of I didn't really like the party scene as much. Like, I, I, I don't know. It felt a little forced, and I didn't really like who I was drinking and fighting all the time. Although that didn't stop. 
anytime soon. I just, I started hanging out with a different group of people and I told myself, well, actually, so that's when I started smoking weed. I started smoking weed and that kind of, I guess, helped with the emotions of whatever I was trying to process or something. And yeah, I don't know. I, I Backtrack real quick. I can remember going into high school sometime after having that first drink and being like nervous. I was in the relationship at the time. Yeah. And I don't know, like I I was like worried that if I stayed in a relationship that I was going to be hurt or something like it was just stupid. Like I was dealing with anxiety and I didn't know how to like verbalize it. So I just left the relationship. Yeah. Maybe that's another story. But so back to where I was, I, um, I think that was only relevant because I started dating this girl that, uh, well, actually, no, I guess we started hanging out first for a bit. I started hanging out with different people and different people in town, you know, it's just changed my habit to smoking weed. And yeah, that, uh, I thought that was okay for a bit because it was, it was kind of, well, it wasn't as socially acceptable, obviously drinking at the time, still illegal. And, but I didn't, I did know a lot of people who did it, who, who, who smoked weed anyways. And so that became my new norm. I went to school, I got high, I came home, I got high, I went to bed and that was my life. Um, I didn't realize how it affected me. I stopped hanging out with other people that I liked hanging out with, uh, stopped doing things like playing guitar. I stopped working at the guitar shop and my life just revolved around getting weed and like, it's like a crackhead on weed. (laughs) Um, so then I, I started dating this one girl that I was hanging out with in my friend group and I started dabbling into other stuff that, uh, her and her friends were kind of into like, like mushrooms. I can remember doing mushrooms one time, thinking that was pretty cool. And then I started um, did some like ecstasy and Molly sometimes. But then I I can remember the one time trying uh, cocaine, and I think I was probably uh, maybe grade twelve. And the uh, that that became something that I liked doing, but I couldn't afford. <laughs> I didn't have a job. I was barely, I barely made it through high school. I did a co-op at, uh, at my old middle school, I guess. Middle school. Yeah. Uh, and it was just a public school. It was in town and I had a few credits left. So I did a, a like a four credit co-op and then I did a correspondence for my English that I failed like, Oh, two, maybe three times. Anyways, somehow I ended up passing high school with the help of my kindergarten teacher who basically dragged me. <laughs> my mom was done helping me. She helped me all through middle school until the end of high school. She was just done and fed up, and I don't blame her. But um, So the my, my kindergarten teacher ended up teaching a grade four class, which I co-opted in, and she helped me end up graduating. But all through that, I was, I was stoned. <laughs> I was high. And... So then I get out of high school and I'm not doing anything for a year. My, I, I start, uh, 
just, I don't know. I don't even know how, what I did for money. What did I do? I, uh, I didn't do much. I think I just bummed weed off my friends for a little bit. And then my dad dragged me to work where I did not know what I was expecting. So he, he dragged me to work and thought that I, it would help me. He thought that me going to work would kind of sh- get me into shape and made me realize that the, the value of the dollar, the value of working hard. And, uh, well, I started working there and instantly gravitated towards the wrong people. And I found all the drug dealers really quickly. I, I started owing the money really quickly because when they know where you work, they know you're coming to work and that's a steady paycheck. Well, a couple of them started selling before they realized my dad was the boss. Anyways, I think I might've used that to my advantage at one point. I was a really shitty person. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, I can laugh about it now. But, um, so yeah. So, like, I guess, in a sense, I took some good stuff away from it. But, yeah, I I got deeper into drugs. And right around this time, a little bit before, is when I kind of got introduced to opiates. And the the one thing I, I really enjoyed doing was Oxycontin. Oxycontin and cocaine, and for some reason I told myself that if I switched it up in between the two, I wouldn't get addicted to either. While also maintaining, a, I don't even know how much I was smoking per day, but that weed was still there. It didn't go away. <laughs> it, was, it was my kind of constant. Anyway, so this went on for about... Uh, and so I can remember almost turning 19, late 18. I have a late birthday. It's in December. And I remember free. I remember getting in a big fight with my girlfriend, right? And this was kind of the, the first kind of <laughs> rock bottom, I guess. This is coming. So I didn't realize at the time, but it was, now I can look back and think this was not my rock bottom. <laughs> this, this is somebody skipping a stone on the water. And, uh, I bounced after this one, but anyways, I can remember being in a fight with my ex at the time and thinking, this is the worst thing ever, blah, blah, blah. And I came out of the shower and I was going to get ready to go out. And I can remember getting in a big fight with my, my girlfriend on the phone and my parents barking at me about something. And I, I just had it. I was completely fed up. I had no drugs. I was on the way to get drugs. So I was withdrawing off opiates. And I can remember being pissed about... Um, it was completely irrelevant. But I I got out of the shower. I was just wearing a towel. And this was while I was fighting on the phone with my girlfriend. And then my dad starts barking at me. And I just end up leaving with, <laughs> with the towel at the time. But then I threw it off right at the front door thinking I'd make a statement. I don't know. Anyways, I can remember running down the street completely naked and realizing about 500 meters away from the house what I had done. (laughs) I was butt naked running down this town. So I turn around and luckily my brother was chasing me at the time (laughs) with a towel and he gave it to me. He said, you fucking idiot, come back home. And I said, okay, I'm coming back home. (laughs) So, uh, there's a van turning, which turned out it was my neighbors. Apparently, I don't know if they saw anything or whatever, but 
yeah, so I went home and I can remember them giving me, it was that day, Was they, they gave me my first kind of, maybe it was a bit of an intervention. They said, like, listen, like, you're getting out of control. You need to get help. We want, we want you to go to rehab. And I said, fuck that. And I left with whatever cash I had to go get drugs. And I can remember, I, I remember that was probably the worst experience of being high. Minus a couple bad trips, but the whole time it just didn't do anything. Like up until that point, I uh, I always it was a way to escape reality, but it was just haunting me the whole time. And I can remember coming back late that night, um, kind of defeated, and thinking, you know what? Okay, this is this is I'm gonna go get a little bit of help. And I can remember because my relationship with my family was terrible at this time, for a long time, so I decided to kind of go and please them a little bit so i i'm pretty sure yeah i went that night they uh my mom took me and they took me to a detox and uh yeah so that kind of began began my road of recovery at almost 19 and then i was put on a weight so this is what happened i went i stayed in the bubble room for a bit had the worst time withdrawing <laughs> And I can remember, actually, I, I was so tempted to uh, go on methadone at the time. Nothing wrong against methadone. I just, I, I am glad I didn't because I know I don't think, for me anyways, at that age, I would have never got off of it. Uh, I just, I can remember most people that were in the detox were there for opiates, and a lot of them were talking about this methadone. It was the first time I ever t- heard anything about it. And I guess for anyone who doesn't know what methadone is, it's like a drug replacement for opiates to what they it's a program which is made to um be well it's supposed to reduce harm and a lot of the time at that time i remember a lot of people were going to the doctors and then they were increasing their dosages which isn't really how it's supposed to work they're supposed to find your baseline for methadone and then slowly wean you off so that you don't need it but I was talking to a lot of people at the detox and they were like, yeah, you can just keep going up. And then I met this one guy and I'll never forget this complete punk rock guy, like shaved sides, big mohawk, dyed hair, painted nails, tatted up. And uh, this guy, I started talking to this guy right before I go and he's like, man, you don't want to do that. I'm, I'm actually here detoxing off of methadone. And the guy had been there for like over a month and a half detoxing. I think the main, the, the longest stay for a detox is usually around like two weeks I think usually tops I remember thinking and I'm like you know what like I might as well just do this and get over with so I went through the the shits and the cold sweats actually this was really funny um when I was there I can remember I got moved into a room after my bubble room experience which is basically like a 12 or 24 hour observation room (laughs) with a window in it and you just kind of wait around in this room and sleep anyways so they moved me to a room and there's a an empty bed where i i i took i I took up this empty bed (laughs) uh there was there was another there was like uh all this like stuff on another bed so i knew i had a roommate and i was just kind of keeping my head down i guess i don't know i was kind of nervous i didn't know what was going on and they also had a, a day program so um 
it was the next day and people were in their, their program where they do, um, it's more of like, a, so there's a detox and then they have like a, their own little rehab, a 28 day program, which is actually really good. I ended up attending that after my detox. And anyways, so I can tell there's a guy there. Anyways, I spend the day, do whatever, eat the slop food they feed you and the sandwiches and then, uh, not talking, just kind of keeping to my own. Anyways, I go back Later at night, in the evening, I get a phone call. I'm making, like, phone calls. <laughs> like, I'm on that pink cloud of, like, recovery where I'm like, yeah, like, I'm finally doing something. I went to my first, like, NA and A meeting that day. And I come back around maybe after the meeting sometime, like, 9.30 or something. Kind of gets a little bed. Well, my roommate's in the room and he's, and he's sleeping. And I'm like, okay. So I remember trying to, like, I think I was journaling or something at the time. And... I, uh, I went to go to the washroom, which is, you had to walk directly, directly beside him. It's kind of a weird setup where the side of his bed is to your right. And then you have to walk right by it to go into the washroom, which would suck. I don't know why he would have picked that bed. Probably smell like shit most of the time, especially with people like withdrawing. Ew. Okay. Anyways. So the, the, the head of his bed was against the washroom wall, if that makes any sense. So I took a little look at him. And I knew he was sleeping because, well, I thought he was. Anyways, so I look over and his eyes are like bulging out of his head. And I, I, I was kind of worried for the guy. He was a bit older and it was silent. And I kind of thought he was dead for a minute. And I look at him and I'm like, hey, I'm Sean. And then all of a sudden, all I hear is, <sighs> and I guess this guy friggin' was sleeping. And he was started snoring. And anyways, it freaked me out. I thought that was pretty funny. thought I had to tell you. Okay, where was I? So I'm in the rehab detox slash program and I get out and like I instantly like start smoking weed again because at the time I was like, oh, well, like I'm just getting off opiates. I'm just getting off coke, whatever. This is like the harder things that I want to worry about. I don't want to have to deal with worrying about. I'm like, I'm like almost 19. I'm almost legal to drink booze. There's no way I'm going to quit that. I didn't even think I addressed that being an issue. Same with the weed. So I get off that for a bit the chemicals and I, uh, I get back out on the streets <laughs> of, of my small town. And, um, yeah, I just instantly, I didn't change my friend group. I didn't change anything else besides I went away for like two weeks and then I signed up for the program once I was there. So I, I, I was only back in town for like maybe a week, maybe two weeks. And, um, my parents were using this opportunity to really drill it into me that I needed help and I had to go and do all this stuff and whatever. So I go back, I do the 28 day program and I'm also on a wait list to get into another place, which I had to wait for two months. So I did the one month program and I did a bunch of meetings and that were there and I was on this pink cloud and I was like, oh, I know everything. I don't got to do anything. So I, do I do that, I get out, I start smoking and drinking before Westover, and then I go to West. I go to my other treatment, it was another 28-day program, so I do two back-to-back within the span of like th- three, four months, and you know what, I learned a bunch at Westover, and at Cats, I guess, about myself, and about like how to communicate, which is, which is kind of messed up, because unless you're talking to somebody who knows also these communication skills, it's kind of like being a dead horse. So I learned all these different like new life skills and a tool belt. And I was trying to apply them to people who were sick of my crap for the longest time. 
anyway, so I was kind of discouraged after coming out of both of those. And I think I might have went maybe a, a year or no, sorry, a month past my, my, like, my, my graduation time. Fucking <laughs> graduate rehab. <laughs> and so I, um, I went past that about maybe a month and then I was just, and then I, oh, and then, sorry. So I was working in this place, right? And they paid me to go to rehab. So like I had the, I had good benefits and I was off and then I was off for about a month after and then I got back to work. Well, I probably lasted two days tops and telling everybody to, oh yeah, I went to rehab, blah, blah, blah. Like good to go. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's go. So anyways, like within two days, I'm back on opiates and, uh, and, and everything and I'm partying too hard and I come and like, I have this thing where I minimize my problems. It's kind of something I'm working on, but like, it was bad. It was really bad before and it was even worse after. Um, and then I was kind of in this place where I would feel, I would feel this guilt of what I was doing and I would try to stop. And I would start back up and I would try to stop and I would start back up while always drinking and smoking. I wasn't drinking that much at this time. I was maybe kind of like just binging like every, well, actually every time I was off work, I guess I would binge a bit, but and the weed was constant. So I, um, so then I worked at this place for probably two and a half years. And at some point I decided, okay, I'm going to go to college. I, uh, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to start again. I'm going to try again. So I, I ended up moving to near Ottawa, up near Ottawa. And I start, I move into this pl- complex with a bunch of different rooms and a big house. And I meet the, the land guy. He's like, he just kind of operates the house. Well, th- it takes me about two minutes to realize like this guy, this guy knows where to get drugs. And I, and I, and I brought hash. So like I started off on the wrong foot already. So this guy, we start talking and we're like, well, we end up doing the same shit, same drugs. So I was like, Hey, like hook me up. And now, and now I have this line of credit where I'm like, okay, well now I have like so much for myself for over the next year and a half. So it took me about a total of maybe two days to find a connection for drugs there and started the whole train over again. Um, So I started dating a new girl within maybe about a month and a half of moving up near Ottawa. And things are good. And I kind of let those oxys. So I was getting oxys from this guy until we kind of hooked up. And then... It was different because I was hiding my drug use this time. Before with my ex, I didn't have to. I uh, I was open with it because we did it together. Sometimes I would like lie that I had none so I could use more. <laughs> but yeah, there wasn't uh, much hiding beforehand anyways. And then so this time we start dating and then I kind of hide it. And like I'm trying not to be all, like I was trying to pace myself. Air quotations on pace itself to pace myself. And it, yeah, it didn't work. I don't like, you, you can already tell, like if you're an addict, you know, that no, there's, there's no such thing as that. So I, uh, I, I went on, I, I 
went to school. I did pretty good in school. I, I partied and uh, I got C's. Got my <laughs> C's get degrees. <laughs> but uh, no, I got it. I guess I don't know. I did okay. I was stoned every day. I partied on the weekends and. For the first bit, I guess I did hold off on doing a lot of oxy. I did them before we 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 kind of started dating and then paused for about maybe oh three months. And then what happened was I cheated on my girlfriend like a friggin' idiot. I went home. It was around Christmas time. Cheated on her, and then I lived with the guilt of that for another two years of a relationship. Oh, the worst feeling. So I uh, I move with her to our first place and this guild just builds up right and then i met i met a guy who was friends with the other guy i met them kind of together i guess they were friends hanging out all the time and um i i was i i remember asking him one time I, after graduation i can remember asking him hey like can you uh can you give me any pills he's like no um but i can get you some fentanyl and i was like well what is that <laughs> like fentanyl i don't fucking want fentanyl i don't even know what that is and he kind of explains it. he's like oh you'll like it it's the it it feels like the same thing is it like way better i'm like all right so i'm not working at the time and uh yeah i can remember i was i was kind of out of work after moving and for maybe like i i feel like it was like four or five months well my girlfriend was still working and she like literally i don't even know how i did anything I uh, I started getting these fentanyl patches from this guy, and and doing them, <laughs> and it was uh, it was crazy. I uh, I don't know. I just blew through a bunch of money real quick, and it was constantly like, and I had to rely on this guy to be middleman because I didn't even know who he was getting them from. Like, I don't know. Somebody must have been stealing these. Pe- from like a cancer patient or something and selling them. So I blew through a bunch of money and I would let him over and he would use my girlfriend's bong. And she would always know. And she's like, why are you hanging out with this guy? Oh, he's no good. And I'm like, oh, we're just smoking weed, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like on the nod the whole time that I'd be trying to convince her. And she like, poor her. She was so innocent. She didn't know any better. Anyways, so this went on for a bit. And I can remember, I remember ODing one time in my bathroom and she was at work and it was just me at the house, and oh my gosh, this was brutal. And she couldn't figure out what I was sweating at night all the time. I would, I would have these cold sweats, and I convinced her it's just because it was I was allergic to the cat, which I am allergic to cats. But uh, yeah, so it was. It became a messy situation. So uh, that that went on for a little bit, and then I got a job working on a, a railroad contract where I was chainsawing poles down so this happened after like maybe a month I got a car so now I got a car first car and uh it was like a little jeep compass it was green (laughs) the thing broke down all the time I uh I used to so so then I worked at this job for a bit it was no good (laughs) found the drug people there who like the party uh, finished the contract. I was out of work. So this was probably like seven months later. So now I'm out of work. I got a car and, and I'm kind of sick of like not knowing where to really get drugs. Cause I wasn't really into 
trying to like network for that. I was too reliant on this middleman and I didn't really want to get to know a lot of people up there. So, so the next best thing I was kind of nervous about getting work too. And I like, I just had this new like college degree and I, I didn't even really use it besides getting like a chainsaw job, but like I didn't even need that for the job. So anyways, I go back. So Ottawa to Brampton, Actually, I was an hour north of Ottawa, and then I decided to go back to Brampton to the old job I had before college. So I'm making the commute for, which is like a five and a half hour to six hour drive. And this is a little funny. I used to go through Algonquin Park, and I can remember I would have six days off every month to go see my girlfriend, and I would do that every month. And this car would break down. And I can remember this one time it broke down in the middle of Algonquin Park, and I'm it wouldn't it wouldn't go past like fifteen kilometers an hour. And I started driving, and this thing bogged, and my gas light came on, and I was trying to flag people down. Nobody was stopping, and anyways, I finally ended up making it to um, where I was living at, with my girlfriend at the time. But so I, anyways, I had a place with her and I was working in Brampton, like I said, and about eight months go by of me doing that commute and she was just done with it. And I was, I was back on drugs, dealing with the, the guilt of cheating on her and dealing with like my full blown addiction still. Well, then I go back to work and I'm living back at my parents and I'm hanging out with like the same people I did before. And this lasted for two years. And I can, I remember the last year of kind of partying where I, I well, what happened was I, I, I had to stop drinking first because I was doing these drugs. Um, I was, I, I, I knew I had a problem and I was trying to stop and I didn't know how to. So I, I kind of coasted on weed for a bit and, um, they stopped making the oxys that I like. You couldn't smoke them anymore. So I like, I didn't really like doing them anymore because I liked smoking them. And then I kind of just went back to doing Coke full time. <laughs> like it was my fucking job or something. Anyways, so I, uh, and then I'm trying to find stronger stuff. So I get back to work and then somebody introduced me to heroin and that cost too much. So I wasn't about that. I did that for a little bit, but I, I wasn't about that. And he was always, he was like, oh, you gotta, you gotta put it in a needle, blah, blah, blah. And I was, I was too scared to do any of that. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't put a needle in my arm. <laughs> it's too scary. <laughs> Anyways. So I'm back at work and, oh, right. So I had to stop drinking because for some reason I became very suicidal every time I drank. Um, I would, I would get really drunk and I would find myself in these situations where I was trying to kill myself. And yeah, it became, it kind of scared me. I can remember being at, um, I can remember waking up, um, underneath a bunch, a bunch of water one time and choking on it. And that, that, I think that was the last time. No, it wasn't. Wait, was it? Yeah, that was the last time I drank after a few, a few other kind of like crappy att- attempts. And so I quit that and I thought it was okay. I was still just smoking weed. So at this point, I'm just smoking weed and I was done drinking because 
I was I was I was smoking weed and drinking, binge drinking, over a year. Where every time I did it, it was it was just it was it was bad. So I had to stop that, and then I just started smoking weed. I kept smoking weed, and um, so until actually I so I that's what I said. <laughs> Until one time where I um, I was with my friends and I was just smoking weed and they for some reason they decided to get a big bag of crystal meth and me being me I was like well I I was heard like oh crystal meth don't even do it once so I was like all right well I got to try it once so I I did and um, that uh, that really messed me up that messed my my head up and so I uh I was paranoid I I was up for about like five days I couldn't sleep I wanted to sleep and I was still working at the time and I went into this crazy paranoid state which I I found out later I was in a like a full-blown drug-induced psychosis and um I, I think I did this on my six days off and I was awake the whole time and I had to come back to work Monday morning on a day shift and work for four days. Well, I think I might've made it through two or three and I was just done. I had to, I had to take a sick day, maybe two and I was at home. And so I, uh, I used those and then for about a, for a, a straight year after that, this was, um, I think that was, I want to say that was 2014 that happened. And then a year late until, so, and then a full year to uh, 2015, I was just smoking weed. And, but I was paranoid. It, it was like, after doing that, that one time, it really like triggered something in my brain where I was not, I was not um, in the right state of mind. And so I'll dive into that on a different uh, episode, I think, because that'll take a lot of time to talk about. I just deleted a bunch of me talking, about, and then I realized it was content for another episode. So then I was in a, a really bad psychosis for a full year. I ended up in um, on a 72-hour watch, and um, I got out of that. And about a month, I went about a month after without smoking weed, and then I was in Barry. Same thing happened. So then I was on another full blown like psychosis again drug due psychosis for about another year um and then that brought me to 2016 june 23rd and i fell down and i wanted help i took myself away from work i signed myself up for a rehab i had to wait seven months i was supposed to so june to february right june august september october november december january february yeah seven months and um in that time i I, uh, I, I just went to meetings. I, I, I started exercising. I started going to meetings. I, I, I started doing things I needed to do. I, I got a sponsor, this old guy, my home group, I got a home group. My home group was Thursday night, eight o'clock. And there was like five or six of us. I got really close to a, a couple of good friends. Um, one, I still talk to one passed away from overdosing. Um, and then I, and then I, I, I talked to other people in the program and I enjoyed it. And that first year was really good. Like, um, 
I, I, I actually, the first three months I was still in psychosis and I didn't go to a meeting again until three months in. Cause I can remember I got my, my first chip I got was my six month and it was right after my 30 days. So my first key tag I got was six months and that was, uh, in December, right, right after my birthday. And so I do that. And then I think shortly after my grandpa died. And so I had to deal with, um, that and, I, uh, well, yeah, but there's something else I'll talk about is death and recovery another time. And, um, so I did that and then I moved to go to that rehab in February and I was dealing with, um, that I went to the rehab and I went there and nobody wanted to be there. Nobody took it seriously. Like a lot of like ex-cons were just there to get parole and they were all sneaking out to get, um, like drugs at the dentist and the doctor's office like every other day. So I was, I was like, you know what? I'm not about this. I already had seven months clean at the time. And so I leave and I call, I remember calling my dad think, saying like, Hey, like you gotta pick me up. I don't need it here. I'm, I'm good. <laughs> you can imagine how that, how that went over. Um, but for some reason, because I think it was seven months, he knew I was going to meetings every day and he could see a little bit of change. And I think he gave some hope. So he picked me up and I kept going to meetings and I just stuck to it. And that summer I stayed busy by helping out at the farm, which we were getting ready to sell because of my grandpa passed. And so we did a bunch of work and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I had about till August that year to decide if I was going back to the job or not. And I knew if I went back, I was going to relapse. I just had, I didn't have any faith in myself. I knew too many people and it was just not a healthy environment. So I wanted to do something different. I didn't know what to do. I didn't really like any of the idea of working in forestry. So I, uh, I was, I can remember having lunch and my, my aunt was over that day. We were helping, she was helping with something too. And I, I had a conversation where she said, you should go back to school. Well, that didn't work. <laughs> like I had an experience with school and it sucked. So anyways, I did, I signed up and I, I, she said, you should go to university this time. And I said, I can't get in university. Like I barely made it through high school. So I, I was coming. Did I? Yeah. So this was just after my one year, I celebrated one year. And I started to think about it and I took about a week and I was like, you know what, maybe I'll apply, see if I can get in as a mature student, whatever. So I applied and I got in. I saw this during a lot of the time where I was before the rehab, before this last rehab and before going to school, I was seeing a social worker and I can remember after the meet the week after I had that talk with my aunt, I can remember thinking like, Oh, well, like this is pretty cool what you're doing. You're helping me. And I was used to like physical labor. Like my old job was pretty physically intense. And I was like, you could just like, you're not really breaking a sweat here. Like I know now I know that dealing with people is a whole new level of stress, but I was like, you got pretty easy in my head. I'm like, like, what did you go to school for? And she told me, and I was like, you know what? That sounds pretty cool. And I, I kind of looked it up and I realized there were so many different things you can do as a social worker. So I applied to that and I got in. And so I started making kind of plans to go to school. And um, so my we finished kind of working on the house. She sells it and 
I move. I move and I start school and I get the first year and it, everything's good. Everything's I, I start I keep going to meetings. I don't really reach out to a lot of people like that's I don't I think I was wor- I don't know. Like I'm still kind of weird about that. Like it was a different crowd. It was a bit more intimidating. There's a lot more people in the meetings here than the five or six that would show up to a weekly basis at my home group. And uh, I, I just didn't really feel comfortable. So I I kind of just come, I can't, I started coming in late to meetings and leaving early and just kind of stuck to myself and made a bit of a friend group at school. And yeah, things were going pretty good. And then I... Um, nothing drastic happened. Uh, I celebrated, or I guess I picked up an 18 months key tag that December, finished my school year, the first school year and just went into summer courses. Well, during my summer courses, I, um, my mom became pretty worried about my brother that he was starting to do drugs, which is completely weird that a, she was talking to me about anything like that. And that B that he was into that because he, he didn't, like he's not the kind of guy to do that. So anyways, so I'm, I, she asked me for advice. I don't really know what to do. I was like, whatever you guys did for me worked on me. Like, I guess call him out and see what happens. Kind of get a bit of an intervention. And he, he, I guess he moves out. And so he, uh, so I'm coming up to two years and well, I had to leave my, I had to leave, uh, I had to leave my, um, my course at the time in the summer because he went missing and it was really weird. And I'm thinking about back to about a month before where he was like kind of getting into stuff. Well, well, after a week of looking for him, the amazing support that my family had from the community, he, they found his body and he had killed himself. And that kind of shook me. I was just kind of, well, of course it shook me, duh. Uh, well, I was just getting kind of used to the swing of my new life, and then I uh, I had to kind of deal with this, and so I finished I f- I f- finished school that um, that year. Did I do a full school year? It's kind of been a blur since then. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I finished the second half of my summer courses, and then. Because I left, um, I knew the following year I would have to wait to reapply to third year program, which um, you can only apply in like March or sorry, January. They, you know, yeah, yeah, March. And they like accept around uh, June, end of May, June. And so I, I did another school year somehow where I don't really know how I... Um, focus much because I was kind of learning how to deal with a lot of emotions I hadn't dealt with since I was like, like in grade eight, like my brain stopped working really and developing at normal speed for a long time when I was using drugs and drinking. So I was, I was already trying to deal with that and then throw my like brother and grandpa dying in the mix. And it was kind of a little overwhelming. So that, uh, I, I didn't celebrate my third year because I was a little embarrassed. I hadn't reached out to a lot of people in my new area. And so that's what happened. Um, I'm coming up to four years now, like I said at the beginning of this episode. And 
it's uh it's been kind of weird the last year that I didn't celebrate and um so anyways that brings me to where I am now I um coming up to four years I said that I've been working with youth for the last year and a bit actually and uh I foster two girls with the help from a company I live at the house and help out when I can and um yeah so I just wanted to say thank you for listening and I hope you guys stick around and I'll get it I don't think every episode will be so so deep and uh and dark I guess maybe there'll be that but we're gonna have our light moments too so I hope you guys stick around and yeah I thought I would share this because I haven't really had an opportunity to yet and I wanted to bring messages like mine to I guess anyone who is interested or other addicts who are I guess early in recovery and are really gung-ho about listening to recovery podcasts I know my sponsor he'll be listening to this so shout out to you because you're always telling me oh you gotta listen to this podcast you gotta listen to this podcast. well I'm gonna listen to those but you gotta listen to mine too but that's my story. I'm going to feature other people on these and get other stories and have other issues kind of surrounding addiction that intersects with addiction, I guess, in a way where, like, stay tuned. Go follow on Stone Cold Sober on Instagram. I'll make a Facebook page too. And I look forward to... Uh, See you in the next one.